Talk Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, two guys at a mic back at you. Beautiful, beautiful Tuesday here in the fine city of Chicago. Hope everybody's day is off to a great start. Thanks you so much for joining us here. One hour of sports talk and more with an emphasis on the more. Big dog and a coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock. You can call in as per usual, 888-463-6748. Yesterday's show, we had... Uh, Religious conversation, the history of the world. We were, we were all over the place yesterday. Did not get into a lot of baseball, so I want to uh, definitely go over that with the big dog today. But first, let's welcome in my good friend. Checking in via the telecommunicated phone lines out in beautiful Aurora, Illinois. It is the co-host, my partner, the big dog, Joel Radwanski. Joel, how are you, buddy? Uh, doing very, very fantastic. You know, it is beautiful, Aurora, Illinois. Just to let you know, I... I went out bicycling out in the, this beautiful town yesterday. Yes, sir. My goodness, there's a lot of good stuff out here. Oh, no question. No, that's why we uh, advertise on a regular. They're not an official paid sponsor, but they might as well be the Aurora Bureau of Tourism. We're we're probably their greatest supporters. I, I got to tell you something. There's a lot to do here. You can stay over at the Comfort Suites. You know what I mean? It's just not bad, folks. <laughs> I think you just took the Bureau of Tourism down a couple notches with that. But yeah, I heard the Comfort Suites is lovely this time of year. Oh, it's just phenomenal, Coach. It's an excellent yeah. view of a of a wall. <laughs> Is that what you're calling from us now? Because I can never quite figure out. You're you know you're at the Hyatt one day, you're out on the streets another day, you're bicycling. Where are you at the yeah, homestead today, today? Yeah, today I'm in the uh, I'm in the the basement, which I call my studio. To be quite honest with you, Coach. Okay. And uh, I'm I'm walking around back and forth. All right. But for the rest of the week, I will be all over. All over the city of Chicago, so mm-hmm. tomorrow I won't be doing the show. Yes, so. I'm aware of that. We, you are off tomorrow. We are. Uh, what did Dan Patrick used to say when he tried to get guests? What was the term he used? We are fans. No, there was a term. Any, anyhow, we are uh, attempting to get a brand new efforting. co. What? You're efforting. Yes. Thank you very much. That was very annoying. Now that you actually said it, I'm glad I didn't say it. But uh, anyhow, we're trying to get a new co-host in tomorrow. I don't want to spoil it because. Uh, we don't have it guaranteed yet, but I know you'll be off back on Thursday or Friday, Big Dog, and uh, we'll have plenty to talk about, including, now this is very weird because the uh, football team that the two of us support so nearly and dearly, the Chicago Bears, they played Thursday, and then they come back and they played, uh, let's see, now help me out here, they played a Monday game. Yeah. Then they come back and play a Saturday game, I found that kind of odd, and boom, they're right back at it on a Thursday, so it's kind of a weird schedule for the Bears, uh, you know, right back at it against Cleveland. I guess the good part, though, is, Big Dog, after the Cleveland game, they'll have uh, an extra couple of days to rest up for the games that count. No, no, yeah, it's not weird. Those, the last preseason game is always played on a, a Thursday or a Friday. It yeah, is? the most time before you get to the, the regular season. So you're saying very few teams will actually be playing this weekend? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. This is, uh, I, I, nobody's going to be playing on Sunday, I know that. My many years of following exhibition football, I've never, I was not aware of that. David, do you never think anyone's? There's only, there's only three Monday night football games during the preseason. Okay. You know that? 
that so, part, I that I think that I got. I just okay, okay. Uh, that's like the whole point is the last preseason game is legitimately like a, a tune-up. That's that's all you like. Peyton Manning takes one snap and hands yeah. it off to some guy that's well, going to get cut in a couple. Yeah, weeks. no, no, that part I'm well aware of. I just didn't understand that the uh, veritable backstring tune-up was on Thursdays and never on the typical Sunday. Oh yeah, it's uh, I, I've done like that my whole entire life. Okay. I think. All right. Well. That shows you the difference between you and me. We we are of different regions, Big Dog. Do you think anybody has ever written a book about like you know highlights of exhibition season, great exhibition games of all time? <laughs> well, uh, you, you know what? I don't think I don't think anybody has anything like that, Coach. Luckily, okay. we don't. But you know, people complain about four preseason games now. You know, back in the sixties, yes. six, seven, eight preseason yep. games. I don't know about eight. But well, every once in a while, like yeah. they, they would. Just say, like, Chicago Bears, if George Hallis really needed money, believe it or not, they would, like, do a tour, and they would go, like, in a small Nebraska town and, and take on, like, mm-hmm. they would have fly in the Steelers and take on the, you know, they would play all types of legitimately exhibition games, nothing mm-hmm. that would be called preseason. Mm-hmm. Well, there so, used to be, remember the college football all-stars used to play, what, the defending champs? Yeah, the Super Bowl champs at Soldier Field. That yeah. went all the way up until the mid-70s, and eventually, yeah. like, the Steelers were still doing it yep. in the 70s. Yeah, I, I, I definitely remember in my, you know, teenage, younger years when I was following, I think they played six exhibition games. And mm-hmm. then there was only six exhibition and only 14 regular season games. Yeah, exactly. So that's pretty weird. Yeah, so that's so much better now than what it used to be. Mm-hmm. So, well, like, people are still complaining about it. I'm like, you know, this... Well, football's always been this way, so uh, it's actually the, the least amount percentage-wise in the history of the game. So do you want to even have less? So is it going to be 3-17 and 17, like people are hoping for, 2-18? and 18? You know, So mm-hmm. either way, as a football fan, I, I'm all for it. So whatever means more football. And don't forget, when in the mid-60s, there's only 12 games. Six preseason games, 12 regular season games. That's a little crazy. A little crazy, so. Well, we do know one thing. The regular games will be starting a week from uh, this particular weekend, so that's going to be uh, good stuff. The NFL season is almost upon us. There was a Monday night game yesterday uh, between the Jets and the Giants, and uh, a little precursor, if you will, to a game that's going to be played, I think, what, like November or December, but a little bad blood in the exhibition game last night. Big dog Monday night football right out there for you. I didn't see much of it. Jets beat the Giants 17-3, to but basically they were just beating on each other all game like 15 penalties, over 150 yards, fights breaking out. Uh, that might be Chapter 1 of a new book that I'm going to be writing, and I hope you'll do the forward of Great Moments in Exhibition Football. Yeah, I, I did not watch a snap of that football game. I'm well aware of everybody on these teams, but uh, I didn't watch a snap of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was way too much good baseball going around the world last night, So yeah. especially when the Cubs are facing uh, Slim Jim, Timmy Jim, the freak, and let's call him. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean... I, I mean, that game was phenomenal up until the Cubs started hitting the ball all over the ballpark. I do I do want to get to baseball, but yeah. uh, you did avoid my uh, quick little slip I put in there when I write the book on uh, great moments of exhibition football. Uh, will you or will you not write the forward for that particular book? Yeah, I, uh, You know what? If you think about it, the forward in a book about the preseason yes. is extremely important. <laughs> Smart ass. Yeah. I've always wanted to write like the backward of a book. You know, the forward is too easy. I'd like to write like the prologue, the postscript, if you will. 
By the way, I heard on the radio coming in uh, that there is a new book. Uh, you will definitely want to read this because you're a John Gacy history fanatic of sorts. But the defense lawyers, the defense lawyers for John Gacy have put out a book. Uh, sounds very, very interesting, very engaging. I believe it's called John Gacy, John Wayne Gacy Defending a Monster. This is a book that, uh, quick read, Big Dog, one that you're sure to enjoy. Well, uh, isn't that part of like a... A lawyer's oath is they're not supposed to talk about their client and all that stuff. I think that might be uh, all part of the fascination of the book. Fifteen ninety nine at a borders near you. Okay, because uh, yeah, uh, maybe because he's been convicted, he can just go out and just yeah. You know, he was obviously mm-hmm. convicted of murder, so maybe he yeah. can just go out and tell the whole story. Yeah, we'll see. I, I've always wondered about defend. You know, you, you, when you're defending someone that you know is guilty, but your job is to defend them. That's got to be a very tough. Quandra. I mean, can lawyers opt out of a case saying that, you know, no, I think the guy's guilty. I can't defend yeah, him. Yeah, they absolutely, you don't have to take a case. You're not. If somebody comes to you and says, I want you to defend me, you're not. You don't know that person a thing. Mm-hmm. Just because it, it says lawyer on it, it's not like the Hippocratic Oath with a doctor. Totally different. What would you it's think about a defense lawyer who, who takes the takes the job because he needs the money to defend someone that he's pretty sure is guilty? That's what that's what's called lawyers coach. That's why so many of them are scumbags. Okay, I was just and, gonna... and I speak of this as an ex, my ex who was a lawyer who re- repeated to me many times how many of her colleagues were crooked and just not good people. Mm-hmm. So, and I wouldn't put her in that particular case. I'm right. not sitting there bashing my ex whatsoever, right. people. I I would definitely. She was definitely not one of those types of lawyers, but mm-hmm. so many of them, I mean, that's what consistently what a conversation would occur. You can't believe mm-hmm. what this person did. And she would tell me these stories. I was just aghast. Like, legitimately, people became, they just became a lawyer so they can learn the law, so they can manipulate the system and basically mm-hmm. be a jackass their whole entire life and, and reap gigantic financial rewards off of it. Yeah, so, which, yeah, is, so which is disgusting. But, the, but there are, would be those that are, would argue, hey, somebody's got to do it. Well, and it's well, part of the law system. I'm not saying the guy's guilty or innocent, but I'm going to defend him, and then I will let the jury and the courts decide. I don't necessarily agree with that opinion, but one could argue, hey, that's that's my job, and that's what I'm paid to do. From the stuff that she told me that these lawyers have done to get away, to be honest with you, defending a guilty man is one of the least amount of uh, like egregious offenses I think they've actually committed. Okay. To me, that's not that big of a deal. Okay. Uh, honestly, like if, if I knew somebody was guilty, but this is just the American way you're going to pay me to do that. I know John Wayne Gacy is a little different, though. Yes. You're talking about a man molesting and killing children. That's that's, which, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. You, you can say defending a guilty person is much worse crimes than that in the uh, very sordid field of lawyering. But if you're trying to get somebody off who you know you're pretty sure is guilty, and by getting them off... You, you you present a really good case. Well, he might go out there and you know rob or steal, pillage or attack somebody else. Well, there's there's kind of a quandary between your job and your morals as a human being. No. Well, you know, um, I got to be quite honest with you, Coach. There's you know you're always giving on me, calling me conservative, even though I'm not. Well, you are liberal. Well, there's so many liberal lawyers that have defended guilty people that have gotten yep. people off, yep. and those guys go around later. Mm-hmm. Commit all types of egregious crimes. Yep, you are correct. Have you read about uh, David Olson? Have you followed this? The Memphis, what do they call them? The Memphis Three. The three dudes from who are out of jail now. They were convicted like a sixteen, seventeen-year-old kids of just a 
horrible, horrible murders in not Memphis, Tennessee, but I think it's Memphis, Arkansas. No, I haven't followed it that closely, to tell you the truth. All right. Well, that's a fascinating one that's been out there. At any rate, we're getting sidetracked once again. So they're out now. Yeah, it's kind of weird. They are out. Like 20 years later, they still are saying that they're guilty, but there's kind of some technical jargon going on. But it goes back to the old uh, Dennis Nicholas Arthur, the old DNA big dog, which uh, has proven them potentially, at least, not guilty after 20 years. Uh, the idea of people being wrongfully convicted yes. uh, like sickens me. Yes. And like legitimately, like I feel so horribly bad for people that Imagine just getting 20 years of your life put in jail. I can't imagine being a day in a jail. Okay, 20 years yep. is the, the prime of your life. A man between 18 and 38, it doesn't get any better than that. Yep. Yeah. If, in fact, you are completely innocent, it's, it's, it's about as horrible crime as uh, can be committed on somebody. It's absolutely horrible. He's still There's still some question whether these guys are actually innocent or guilty, but you're absolutely correct. If, in fact, innocent, it's, uh, it's brutal. And then worse also in any of those cases the fact that the real murderer, the real committer of the crime, is still out there. Exactly, Coach. Exactly. That's the one thing you can't forget. Whenever you hear, I don't, I'm not saying the police railroaded these people, but when you hear about police railroading innocent people yep. just to get convictions, it, it's so evil on so many levels. On First and foremost, obviously, the person who's wrongfully in prison, and then the simple fact that you've got somebody out there who's going to be committing crime. Mm-hmm. To me, that is worse, and I've said this before, that to me, that's a worse crime. It shows worse of your lack of humanity than shooting somebody in the spur of the moment. Or like, uh, I think the fifth kid in that Chicago situation where there was the gang battle at Fenger High School, and the one kid, Darian Albert, got uh, killed, people stomping on his head, the famous video, well, the, the, the fifth kid. The fifth teenager from that opposing gang got convicted, I think, 32 years in jail. You know, he had never had an arrest record, just caught up in a horrible thing. And he was guilty. Whether he should be serving 32 years is a question, you know, and the poor, innocent teenager died. Horrible, horrible crime. But that, you know, that's like spur-of-the-moment anger, the kind that you're talking about, Big Dog. Mm -hmm. Some police chief, like the guy who's serving time in jail right now from Chicago, what was his name, Bungie? Bungie? That sounds right, yeah, B-U-N-G-E. To torture innocent people, you know, when they say innocent, you know, sometimes they were some shaky characters, but they certainly were not anywhere near guilty of the heinous crimes that they ended up admitting to. To torture these guys into admitting, to send them into prison, as you said, some of the finest years of their life. And then, you know, each and every night to go to sleep thinking that you've done that that you've saved your job, you've made your police department look good, and that innocent people are in jail because of that. You know, that that's like just sick, well-thought-out, premeditated crime, as opposed and, to the spur-of-the-moment crime. And then uh, then you kiss your daughter goodbye as, uh, to go to school the next day as you're drinking your number one dad coffee mug coffee. Yeah. You know, everybody thinks you're such a swell guy. Yep. In fact, they're living a lot. There's a lot of that happened in the city of Chicago, obviously. That, that's been... People being railroaded in the city of Chicago has been a charge that they've had to face for years, and it seems like every time they look into these cases, it ends up being like blatantly true. They get horribly true. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the DNA testing has had a big effect in uh, that particular case. Uh, in a lot of particular cases, DNA that's probably one of the biggest advancements in uh, getting people out of jail, innocent people out of jail. You know, there's there's been a lot of like uh, a lot of stuff talked about, like oh. 
big brother looking at us. And you know I'm all for getting the government out of our lives yes, completely. I, there should be a lot less laws about what we should be able to do and, and how should we, we should think and all this other stuff. But one thing, so you would think I'd be totally against this, but I'm all for police cameras everywhere around the city. I have no problem documenting what I'm doing throughout the course of the day. I'm not kidding you. Keep them out of my home. Okay, don't tell me how to control me here, but I, like, I think that type of stuff is actually, because you can document like, what people were. Mm-hmm. Hey, this guy was right here. He wasn't anywhere near the, where the crime was taking mm-hmm. place. And all the other stuff are really oh, cool yeah. stuff. So yeah. I think we need a lot less laws. I have no problem being documented where I'm out. No question about it. Uh, Yesterday he was our historian. Today he's our criminologist, jack of all trades, master of many. The big dog, Joel Redwanski, joining us off today. Back on Thursday as we do a little uh, college football preview show. Don't forget, folks, beat the schmoes coming up on uh, Football Friday, our very first Football Friday of the year. Big dog, extremely excited about that. So we'll do it. We might even sneak in some college football talk today. But you alluded to it, baseball. We, We mentioned it yesterday's show. That uh, you know, other sports shows this time of year get all hooked up in the football, and they kind of forget mm-hmm. baseball, especially in cities like you know we're located here in Chicago, and neither of our teams are hot on the heels, although that's changing a little bit. But uh, we don't yeah. want to be that way. There's still good baseball. We want to follow. We want to get into it. And uh, certainly yesterday there were some good games. Angels lost again, but the White Sox gained a game on the Tigers. Big dog. Detroit loses, and your beloved White Sox did win. Uh, yeah, not my beloved wife. Well, yeah, I uh, thought I'd throw that in for effect. Yeah, come on with Cubs. I don't say stuff. That's not right. Mark <laughs> Burley dominating yesterday. Woo! Oh, since they dominating, how about this cruising is the best way. Mark Burley out there, first pitch strike. The guy's out 0-1, so they just chase on the next pitch. They pop it up. Two pitch out. I mean, it's, I mean that was basically what Mark Burley did the whole entire day. It was sad when he got in jams because his defense behind him was putrid. Yeah, we keep on saying, I can't believe the White Sox are only five games out for a division as bad as their defense is right now. They are, this is one of the worst defensive White Sox teams they've had in my entire life. Maybe the worst approach. Mm-hmm. And they did it again last night with Mark Burley, but he was so good he was able to get out of jams. And then the Tigers lose to the Royals, yep. who have brought up all their rookies. You know, Coach, I, I told them to do it at the beginning of the year. Why are they even trying to feign like they're trying to win this year? Just bring all of them up. Well, they have done that recently. You wouldn't know one name in the in the Royals lineup, and they are absolutely destroying the baseball right now. They pound the Tigers nine to five last night. Yeah, and helped the White Sox a lot. By the way, don't forget Cleveland on behalf of our good friends. Uh... Uh, just north of us a little bit, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Let us not forget the Indians. They're only five and a half back. They did win yesterday two to one, but the White Sox, uh, have won four in a row now, five games back, and we're not in September yet, dog. We're still in August, so there is, uh, you know, there's time, easily time to make up that five game deficit. Now, I think what you've argued is the fact that the Detroit Tigers are, you know, pretty darn good team, and it's hard to fathom what they're pitching. In quality hitting, that they're going to have a losing streak, but well, no, no, that's that's the thing is they they have a dominant pitcher, but right now Rick Porcello and Brad Penny, I mean they're not as Max Scherzer got lit up last night, so the Tigers have dramatic issues. They won't have more than a four game losing streak the rest of the way because Verlander pitches every fifth game, but mm-hmm. I, I they're 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 having serious issues, coach. Verlander might have to start pitching every fourth day pretty soon. 
because that's how bad everybody else has been. Yeah, it depends how bad the manager wants to. Uh, was it Mike Sosa, the Anaheim Angels, who are battling Texas over the weekend? We didn't get to it yesterday because of your lessons uh, and tremendous ones, by the way, in the history of the world. If you missed yesterday's show, folks, check it out via the archive. Not much sports. But uh, educational, if not entertaining, check it out on our archives at the twoguysmike.com website. But uh, Texas knocked off Anaheim two out of three. What Anaheim's manager did, Big Dog, is sort of what you're alluding to, what Jimmy Leland might do with Verlander. He moves Santana and Jared Weaver up just a day on three days rest so that they could play their arch rivals, Texas. It did not work. Both of them lost their game, and Texas won the series two out of three. Uh, Irvin Santana won his game. I'm sorry. Seven innings allowed four runs. Okay. But he wasn't sharp at all compared to what he had been recently. And and Jared Weaver battled and battled and battled and eventually gave up a a pretty big inning and gave up five runs of seven innings and Mm -hmm. and they lost. So, and and here's the thing is, Sosha is obviously a much better manager than you and I are ever going to dream to be. But even great managers make bad decisions considering those two had never done it. I, 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 I just wish they would. He shouldn't have done that. Because yep. I don't think those... Well, then again, Joel Pernero and Jerome Williams aren't exactly going to give you any confidence this particular season. I guess that, that he just thought maybe they were just going to give two games away. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, they went 1-1. One one. They might have been 0-2 oh if those other two teams, if those, if those guys did. So might, maybe it wasn't as bad of an idea as we thought it was. All right. Texas won the series 2 out of 3. Anaheim loses yesterday. So I think Texas lead up to... Three and a half, but getting back to our uh, hometown Chicago White Sox, putting a little bit of a uh, little bit of sphincter-like pressure on our beloved Detroit Tigers. Uh, three young players, big dog. We need to mention real quick. Day in Viciedo brought up finally, coach. Finally this, from this the minors. Really, now, what's that? This is going to be really easy for you to remember. Just call him Diane. I called him Damian yesterday. Uh huh. Just call him Diane. I know you're not gonna, never going to get to me, but that's as close as you'll get. It to is it. Diane, like in Princess Diane. I guess so, even though it's D-A-Y-A-N. Okay. Did I get the Visaedo part right? Oh, that's, you guys, that sounds beautiful the way you say it. <laughs> All right. He's been impressive, but it's early for him. The two guys I want to bring up, Alejandro Deaza. He's been a nice, pleasant surprise for the White Sox. And I'll tell you another guy. You know, A.J. Persinski's been the Sox catcher forever. When he does retire and sooner than later, they're, they're going to be in pretty good shape because this kid, Tyler Flowers, I'm not saying he's going to be, uh, you know, a Hall of Famer, but he is a solid defender. Mm-hmm. For a young kid, he handles pitchers very well, and, and he hits, you know, not the greatest hitter I've ever seen, but he hits just enough. I think the White Sox are set at the catcher position. I like this kid. No, I, I think you're right. There's certain things you need out of your catchers, and as I, you said the most important one was how do you handle your pitching staff? That's let's face it, that is the most important. And, you know, I don't think he's going to be a great hitter either, but, Coach, it seems like he's got a little power, a little yeah, pop off little the pop. bat. He does got some pop. He's, mm-hmm. got, he's got some strength. So that's... Yeah, yeah, and the White Sox, you know, starting pitching, fairly much a veteran staff. You know, Peavy and Burley, Danks, Gavin Floyd, those guys have been there forever. And you bring a young catcher up, and he's got a direct traffic, if you will. That's We take that for granted, but that's not an easy dynamic. I think a lot of young catchers can be intimidated a little bit. You look at Tyler Flowers, and he's... Uh, you know, he's taking control, at least from body language. He appears to be pretty comfortable calling the pitches, and the pitchers seem to like him. I've heard some nice compliments, including from yesterday's winner, Mark Burley. Um, watching the game last night, it was uh, it was like in the middle of the sixth inning, and Steve Stone just made the quick comment, uh, Burley hasn't shook flowers off all night. There you go. 
So to think about it, Mark Burley may be giving the kid some confidence, being like, hey, I'm just going to throw what he, yeah. he tells you to throw. Yep. I'm not going to make the kid feel bad, shake him off. He's going to go with what he's got. It, that's, it worked last night for Mark Burley. He did a lot of run in seven and two-thirds innings. So I, I think that that was getting it done, going all the way into the eighth with the shutout. Mm-hmm. Not bad. All right, and we'll talk about the Cubs in just a second. We got a special guest waiting to join us, but we do want to uh, make sure we get back to the Cubs because they, you mentioned Burley with a workmanlike performance. The Cubs got a dominant performance yesterday, but big dog, oh, we got a special tree on the line. We talked yesterday in our world history lessons and uh, we were all over the place yesterday, but we had mentioned how we probably should check in with our one of our favorite overseas sports talk hosts from WIRQ Radio, El Zaire Zayed, who we haven't heard from for a long time. We weren't even sure he was, you know, the station was still up and running, but just to get a good feel of what's going on over in the Mideast, the uh, Arab Spring and stuff, if you will. David Olson, our producer, contacted some of his long-lost interns. Those long-lost interns contacted some of their long-lost friends. Somehow, somehow we have made connection, and I believe, on the other line, we have the number one sports talk host in Iraq. It's our good friend. I think I can still call him our good friend. El Zaire. Zayed checking in. El! Oh, my God, my friend. It's good to hear your voice again. <laughs> oh, big dog. When... I'm happy to hear the two of you. I was sitting in a cafe yesterday <laughs> drinking tea, and a man comes up to me with a camel, and he whispers in my ear. He says, listen to the podcast of morning break. <laughs> I said, okay, you know, in my country, you could be killed for listening to the podcast out in public. And then I listened to the religious talk and the aliens and the order of my God. And I not had my earbuds on. I would have my ear left off and a few other body parts. Hey, Big Dog, should uh, why don't you tell Al Zaire that uh, we have a new show now? It's not the morning break anymore. Yeah, it, it's, it's not. Well, over there, they're still calling it the morning break so, because we, we have to change our Twitter handle all the time over there, Coach. Ah. Oh, well, so I'm sorry. It. Two guys, Mike. Two guys, Mike. Yes. I, I thought, you know, I, we haven't talked in a long time. I forget, my friend. No, but it, things must be good because the last time you used to do the show, you were always in a bunker. It's good to know that you're in Iraq in a cafe drinking tea. It's good to well, know. you know, drinking tea in Iraq is a lot like uh, a Russian roulette. You know, my friend, we, we sit there, we drink the tea, we hope nothing blows up, life is good. <laughs> now, what happens when you see a guy like with a backpack that looks nervous walking down the street? I have standard rules in Iraq. Any man who wears more than white see-through t-shirt, run away. <laughs> Any man who has backpack or a jacket in 200-degree heat, run away. Any man who's sweating profusely... But you're not sure why, because he said, that's okay, run away. Basically, I run a lot. That's how I stay alive. <laughs> well, it's nice to know you're keeping in shape, Elzair. How about golf? Well, this is not the problem, my friend. How about, like, golf? I think somebody comes up with a golf bag at the golf course. Are you worried that it might not really be carrying golf clubs? My whole country is a sand pit. What are you going to play golf? Not good, my friend. You know, you know, all I know how to do is get out of the sand into more sand. One bunker to the other. That's what I say. <laughs> oh, goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're joining us for the uh, first time, if you're hearing him for the first time, a special treat, WIRQ, the number one sports talk station in Iraq, and their lead guy, the station director, and their lead co-host, El Zaire Zayed, joining us here in the Two Guys at a Mic Show. El, I don't know if you're aware or not, but football season is upon us here back in the States, and I know at least you used to be a big football fan. Do you still follow the sport out in Iraq? Loving the sport. You know, we get NFL TV. We watch all the preseason games. 
football has not been the same since Ahmad Rashad has stopped playing because honestly, the Muslim contingent, we miss Ahmad. He was good. Now we got that Al Hardir Rakim, whatever his name is. He's okay. He's okay. What about Ahmad Bradshaw? No Ahmad Bradshaw? That's no good? He's not. You know, he could be Muslim, but too stupid sometimes for even America. <laughs> Well, I read somewhere they say that if if you 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 give him you spot him the CNA he couldn't spell cat. I don't like him. No. Hey, real quick, I don't want to get in the whole draft, L, but I know you held WIRQ's first uh, Iraqi fantasy sports draft. Who was the first pick in the Iraqi uh, fantasy sports draft? It, it didn't go good. Uh, how are you saying, friend? Uh, basically, what wound up happening is everybody started drafting people who were Muslim in any sport possible. So, really? Uh, yeah, so I don't understand. I don't think they understand the concept of fantasy football uh, because guys were drafted who have been dead for 22 years. <laughs> uh, guys were drafted in basketball, in soccer, and then and, uh, you just. I, I finally, I, I just threw my hand in there and say, you know what? Somebody bring a guy who has a backpack over here. Let's get rid of this game. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Cedric Benson was the fifth pick in the overall draft. Uh, oh, not true, yeah, huh? But then. He, Cedric gets picked, and then he goes into fight and gets arrested. He, he would land very good around here. You just punch guy in the face. It's okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. Great to talk to you. What, what's the hot sport out in Iraq right now? What's uh, any particular sport increasing in popularity since the last time we communicated? Lots of the you know, soccer very big here. Cricket very big here. Uh, we are building sports basically where little Muslim guys have a chance at winning. So football not so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, basketball, not a lot of seven-footers running around here, you know. Uh, so basically, we're looking at, you know, soccer, uh, cricket, um, some talk about the rugby. That's not going to work so well. Uh, golf, we have a guy calling himself Tigre. He's not quite Tiger, but he's okay. He's fun to watch. <laughs> uh, you know, so those are the sports that are big. And, of course, which is a game with a horse and a goat, which has been here for 500 years. Yeah. Are you sure that's a game? Because over here it's illegal in eight states. Uh, you know, it depends where you go. In our country, it's a game. <laughs> now, now, the golfer, Tigra, how many wives does he have? Because I know you can have more than one. Yeah, he's at uh, 65. It's part of his game. You know, we wonder how he still performs. You know, we look, we would listen to you years ago when you said women weaken legs. Uh, by now, <laughs> he should be driving around in wheelchair. He's, he's very good. Al, <laughs> we've never pried into your personal life, and feel free to... Uh... Tell us not to, but are you a married man? How are things going for you in the uh, social Facebook life out uh, in Iraq? Seven wives, three girlfriends, and one girl who we just, uh, how you say, hook up. Wow. Really? Yeah, I, you know, it keeps me busy. It keeps me busy. Big dog, between I, between that and running around, running away from guys with backpacks, I think El Zaire is getting plenty of exercise. That's the least of his problems. Yeah, uh, well, that's probably... The biggest problem is probably telling which girl is which. You don't keep them all in burkas, do you? No, no, no. You go Monday, one house, Tuesday, one house, three house, Wednesday, another house. You keep it separate. Otherwise, you, you get problems. I, I start to write uh, names, uh, days of week on underwear just so I know which way I have to go to. Mm-hmm. Now, which one's the Saturday one? Because I know you're a big college football fan. So who's ever Saturday you probably don't like too much? <laughs> no, she's good cook. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, I get to sit in front of TV and she come and bring me food. She's my favorite. Falafel? Yeah, I was listening to to American song uh, made a long time ago. If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never get a good-looking wife. (laughs) 
Happy Saturday. Yeah, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life. Rest of your life. Hey, ho, Blue 42, beautiful. Great, great. To- How are the ratings, by the way? IRQ Radio, hopefully uh, Sports Talk still doing good. I I promoted you as the number one guy, Al. I'm assuming you are uh, still at top of the heap, pardon the expression. Oh, my God, stronger than ever. I got new weather, girl. I don't know what she do every day. Hot, tendy. But, you know, she's still hot. We show pictures on website. It does really good. We show ankles and, and elbows. You know, guys like this in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's good. Uh, we have wacky guy who does things in the street. Uh, we lost three of them this year due to bombings. But we get new one every couple of months. It's good. Uh, my personal ratings are up. Two points, uh, basically, wow. because if anybody goes up against me, we take care of that, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, Joel, we gotta try that. That might, that might be the answer to our improving our ratings. You just, uh, eliminate. Uh, you guys, you need somebody to call me, buddy. Call me. Eliminate the competition. I like to just remember, Al, one thing me and Joel have always lived by is that when, you may be on top of the heap, but you are still a part of it, my friend. Remember that. It basically means if you're on top of the heap, the question is, what is the heap of? You know, you're this all the time. Oh, goodness. Thank you very much. You need a Kleenex after saying that? Yeah, usually I do. It's okay. Oh, I wear that long clothes. I wipe it when I sleep. It's okay. Beautiful. Well, it's great to catch up with you. I can't believe our people got a hold of you. What was it, an intern that got a hold of you? How did, how did someone get in touch with that? Here, here's how I think happened. I think someone in Iraq listens to you. We talk about you all the time. Yes, sir. You, you know, so someone in Iraq listened to you. They put a note on a monkey. The monkey went to a guy who gave the note to him. The man gets to another girl, he gives it to him, and then a guy walks up to me, he's riding his camel, and he hands me the note, he whispers in my ear. <laughs> it, it was very scary. Big Dog, did you follow all that? Yeah, I followed all that, Coach. Okay, good. I'm glad one of us did. No, I was Big Dog, because, what are you, you doing? Know, they, they say Iraq is the cradle of civilization, because that's what like the Westerners have always tried to say. <laughs> Do you believe the cradle that? of something, but my ratings are good. Beautiful. Well, while you're cradling yourself, uh, El Zayed, Zayed, and we uh, we need to let you go. Beat the Schmoes is coming up for this football Friday. Before we let you go, I know you're a big football fan, even though it's not that big out in Iraq. You got any predictions for us? Any Beat the Schmoes football picks for the football season? WIRQ's own El Zayed, Zayed. I would like to, do you want just a random pick, or do you want the winners for this weekend? No, I, how about a couple pro football teams who you think, uh, you know, the Iraqi people think might be pretty strong? I mean, are you buying the Philadelphia Eagle? No. You are not. Anytime you have this much speed and this much uh, celebrity, no good. I, don't like, I like Tampa Bay. Interesting. To, to make playoffs. <laughs> Oakland, Oakland will be better. Kansas City will fall off in that division. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Arizona wins their division, but let's be honest, after the last year, you and I could have won that division. And Houston goes playoffs this year. Houston? Houston? Wow. Tampa Bay, Oakland, and Houston. Sometimes, big dog, you know, we're, we're so caught up into it here in the States. Sometimes you have a clearer view of it when you're farther away. Elzair Zed may be speaking the truth. I'm Remember, Oakland, 6 and all in division last year. Many... See you What's that, Big Dog? I'm just surprised, El Zayer Zayed, you didn't say Detroit. Have you ever, I know you've partied in the suburbs of Detroit. Many a Muslim living in Detroit. We have lots of big following, but quite frankly, I get enough shooting at home. I don't need to go to a place that has the same amount. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Oh, beautiful. Elzair, great catching up with you. Let's not be strangers. Now, let's touch base during the football season. I'm glad you're still number one out in Iraq. And like always, be safe and please be uh, be nice to your seven wives and three girlfriends. What I say to you, David, and to Big Dog, it means this. May the camel lick the dirty part of your face. God bless. <laughs> Thank you, Al. There he is. <laughs> oh, man. I'll praise be to Allah, Coach. It's unbelievable. We put the call out yesterday. Like I said before, Big Dog, we're not big in the States, but overseas, uh, in, in countries where English is a second language, we have a following. Coach, I am not kidding about this when I say this. I know we're big in the Philippines, and I know <laughs> we get listeners in Vietnam, yep. and believe it or not, I know we have listeners in Germany also. Okay. Do they understand what we're saying? Like slightly. <laughs> and you know it's funny it's like a lot of them know me but they like you and they listen just for you coach so uh, the fact that they have no idea what i'm saying I, i'll take that as a compliment i think i think most of my family by the way my family members that do listen don't like me but they enjoy your verbiage that's nice to hear so that's, it works they just, they just like the fact that i can talk back to you i think so actually yeah because i, I know you run that you run the place like you're rommel at home so <laughs> Oh, that was solid. You gotta love El Zaire's that. I only, only I sure, my hearing close. is pretty bad, so I don't catch a lot of stuff of what he says, but uh, always a thoroughly engaging conversation. Oh, I, I, I thoroughly missed him all these years. It's good to know that, uh, the streets of Iraq are a lot safer than when he was, yeah. when he was calling in back when he was in the bunker in the middle of the desert, if yep. you remember. That's how Abs- he used to call us. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. uh, it was like, he couldn't get, you know, Internet, but he can get the cable feed from the United States, which I always thought was kind of strange. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess Comcast is everywhere. <laughs> Tampa Bay and Oakland, huh? Yeah, right. that's, uh, I think he's just, that's, that's the guy that probably drank a little too much of the, the Azu, if you know what I'm saying. A <laughs> little too much sand in the sails? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tampa Bay and Oakland. I'm going to keep that in the back burner, though, because, again, sometimes we're so caught up into it. Sometimes the people with the clearest view are the ones who have a little outside perspective, and you don't get much more outside perspective than following the NFL in Iraq, if you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> you know, no, Oakland will be much improved. We'll yeah, I think they will. Happens. We'll see what happens with, with Tampa Bay, because Tampa Bay <laughs> was playing really well last year. Then uh, Maurice Morris, their their head coach, if you remember, said we're the best team in the NFC. And then they didn't win a football game after that. He, he did the Denny Hamlin uh, deal of disappearing. Mm-hmm. Remember when Denny Hamlin, I'm going to win the chase. Well, ever since he said that, I don't think he's finished in the top 20, mm-hmm. you know, when he said that last year. So uh, the, the Buccaneers were close. But I, I I think they were a lot like they were close by record, but I think they were a lot further than people might think. Mm-hmm. But we'll see because their quarterback is good, Josh Freeman, coach. Yeah, he could end up being a superstar arrow, in this league. Arrow pointing way up oh, for Joshua uh-huh. Friedman, no question about it. Uh, by the way, anyone out there? You got? Uh, I should have put the phone number out. People wanted to ask Elzair Zayed any questions. I apologize, but you got some comments on that scintillating interview or uh, anything else in the world of sports big dog and the coach right here for you at your service 888-463-6748 again triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. you can always email us at mike two guys at aol.com that's m-i-c and the number two mike two guys at aol.com uh emails always more than uh well appreciated big dog we were talking about the baseball we were about to jump onto your cubs and the fact that uh, Randy Wells was absolutely dominant yesterday as they beat San Francisco, and that was a big game for the Giants. 
that, that's a real big game for the Giants. You know, and you know it, it's sad that the Cubs are playing the spoiler role right now, but I like it. You know, they're they're playing tough. Uh, last night, Tim Lincecum absolutely cruising along. Hopefully, he's not hurt, but he uh, like popped something in his groin or his leg. He hopped up, didn't act right, and then right after that, hung a pitch to Alfonso Soriano, and then two innings later, gave up uh, two more two more home runs. So he gave up three. It's the most home runs he's ever given up in a game so far in his in his major league career. So he doesn't get lit up very often, Coach. So it was. Uh, I think uh, you're no question about it. Uh, the stat I think that we have here in his last 27 starts, Tim mm-hmm. Lincecum's given up 10 home runs. Yesterday, in one start against the the power hitting Cub, he gave up three. So that kind of shows you maybe that in fact there might have been a little bit of an injury. Yeah, I mean, you don't expect Tim Lincecum to do anything wrong on the baseball field right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his last nine starts, coach. He's, he's got. It's very similar to that. He's got basically. He's allowed going into last night in his previous nine starts. In eight of them, he allowed one run or less. Okay, and the other one he allowed, allowed three. Mm-hmm. His ERA was like one point one three, and during those nine starts, he was four and two. Yeah, the Giants can't hit at all. They can't hit whatsoever. And Randy Wells took advantage of that last night. And uh, I, I don't know what to think about Randy Wells, but I do think he could be a good number five starter for a, yeah. a, a good team. I liked Randy Wells before, and I would have no problem with the Cubs keep him around as a four or five starting pitcher. No question about it. 888-463-6748, the phone number. By the way, I don't know uh, if we've talked about it, dog. Other people have the show, the, uh, the franchise, the Showtime series following the San Francisco Giants. I finally, via my Comcast On Demand, started watching. I think I've watched three segments of it. It's pretty good. I don't know if you've been able to view it or not. No, I need to watch it, though. I, I've been extremely busy this yeah. summer, so I haven't seen it yet. It's not, I wouldn't label it as great, but it's uh, it's definitely good. One complaint I have is way too much camera time for Ryan Vogelsong's wife. Why? She, what does she do? She seems to enjoy the camera, shall we say. Okay. Well, yeah. does she deserve it? Well, no. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, on looks, Yes. But, you know, it's it's like, you know, she's not out there throwing nine innings. Ryan Vogel's song is. Anyhow, that was just a little little sidelight. But overall, pretty uh, pretty entertaining stuff. A good little insight into the uh, San Francisco Giants. And I would assume they'll take it right through the season here. And it doesn't look like San Francisco is going to make the playoffs. Still time to turn it around, Big Dub. But they're five games back of your Arizona Diamondback. You can't count them out yet because they got Matt Cain and... <laughs> Tim Lincecum and Ryan Vogel song right now. But if they don't start hitting, you're exactly right. It's over because the Diamondbacks are a quality ball club. The, the, they were decent last year, even though they only won 67 games. The problem was they had an, a, a bullpen with an ERA over seven for a season. It was the worst bullpen in the history of the league. They got that ball to crush them the ball this year, Coach. So if the Giants don't wake up immediately, I, so the Diamondbacks aren't going to fall on their face, is what I'm saying to you. So the Giants better start playing some great baseball. They can't count on the Diamondbacks to come back to, to reality. Yep. Beat uh, Colorado yesterday, I think, 5-1. to one. Daniel Hudson, who's been pitching very well for Arizona, gets the win. Hey, real quick, we had a couple of emails come in. Guys, talk about the U.S. Open. Big Dog, uh, despite the storms and Hurricane Irene, as the cleanup begins now, out in those... Uh, um, 
states, New York, Vermont, etc., that were hit so badly by Hurricane Irene. We do have the U.S. Open and tennis starting out in beautiful Flushing Meadows, New York. Some interesting stories there. I don't know. Are you planning on making a trip out to Flushing Meadows? Uh, yes, I do plan on making a trip really? out to Flushing Meadows. That will be on September 6th of this year. I'm going out there. But the tournament will be over at that point. It's all right. You asked me if I'm going to flush medals. Oh, yeah, I, the, six. the assumption was, as a semi-respected sports talk host, you were going out there to cover the U.S. Open for the two guys at a mic show. Will, will it be over by then? I'm not 100% sure that it will be no, over. You might be right. You might be right. I'm not gonna. I'm not going there. I'm going to go to City Field and watch the Mets lose to somebody. Hopefully, the Yankees are in town. Actually, so interesting. So you are making an appearance out in New York, huh? Yes, I am close. Okay. Well, some of the, some of these storylines to follow here, you know, tennis is always not always our number one topic, but you've got uh, in the women's side, Serena Williams seated number twenty eighth, but all the experts say she's the one to beat, despite that seed. You also got Carolyn Wozniacki, the number one seed. Yes. Now, do you are you aware who her new boyfriend is? Um, I'm just in, uh, Tim Curry. <laughs> Who's Tim Curry? Did you ever see uh, the movie um, <laughs> Rocky Horror Picture Show? What? Where did you, you just threw you Tim seen Curry the out? The butler from Clue. You ever seen Clue? <laughs> Have I ever seen Clue? Yeah. Clue. The butler that, from Clue. Oh man, that movie was out like 15 years ago. I don't think I ever saw it. You'd, you'd know him if you saw him. Okay. He's been I'm just for, curious how big dog. Years. How did you throw out Tim Curry? That's just the first thing that came to your mind. Yeah, that's you told me. Yeah, I was guessing. I have no clues. That's my point. <laughs> Uh, he, the new boyfriend is golf superstar extraordinaire Rory. Help me out with the last name. The guy who, Rory. Yes. Now that makes sense because I actually saw him taking a picture with some hot blonde girl the other day. Yep. And she was on a tennis court. So you've got golf's number one and women's tennis is number one. And uh, big dog, you are of the women's weakened legs theory. Men can weaken legs too. That might possibly hinder the chances. Of number one seed, the very likable Carolyn Wozniacki. Uh, I think Roy's going to have to tuck it for a while, Coach. <laughs> oh, boy. Beautifully put, but thank you, Big Doug. Okay, you are, you are truly a master of the English language. Am I? <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> oh, goodness. How do we move on from there? Oh, all right. Uh, another story now on the men's side. There are people, and you're our tennis expert. You're the guy going out to Flushing Meadows for the finals of the tournament that say if Novak Djokovic were to win this U.S. Open, I preface it by saying his record this year is 57-2. and He's won nine championships this year, including a couple of majors. If he wins the U.S. Open, there are those that will say this will be the greatest single season ever by a tennis player. Would you fall in that uh, category? Well, that means he would have won the Grand Slam? No. Three out of four? Yep. Three out of four. Three out of four plus the longest or the best record ever in a season. Yes. The longest winning streak in a season. Is this right? I'm getting everything. I think so. Okay. I'm not a tennis expert, okay? But I would say if somebody is one, you got to win the Grand Slam to truly call it the greatest season ever. And I'm not saying he didn't have a, an unbelievable, incredible season. If you win three out of four and have the best record of all time. Yes, you're in the conversation, but 
I think to truly say you had the greatest season of all time, you mm-hmm. have to win all four majors because it's been done before. People have won the yeah. all four majors, haven't they? The yeah, they Slam. have, but this guy's won nine tournaments. Some of the ones that won the Grand Slam probably took some tournaments off, and I'm, uh, you know, I don't know the tennis history books, but I'm going to guess they haven't won nine tournaments in one year. So there's that category too, but. We're probably picking at straws here. Suffice it to say, if he wins the U.S. Open, it will go down as one of the greatest single seasons ever. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. It already is. I, he's got the, the greatest single season record so far. That the winning percentage is ridiculous mm-hmm. this year. So it's over 90%. And remember, uh, one of your philosophies on any tennis tournament, if you are putting money down and picking a, picking a winner, big dog, uh, I think it's safe to say you always say, always bet the over. Yeah, I'll take it over, go with the itch. Because <laughs> the over will be the lady and the itch will be the guy, so it's all okay. good. By the way, one over had a rough start. I don't know if you saw this or not. Petra Kvitova. Hopefully I didn't butcher that last name too much. She won the Wimbledon. The Wimbledon champion this year, Big Doug, loses in the first round of the U.S. Open. So there could be some stories this year coming out if that's an indication. Yeah, you know, women's tennis right now is thoroughly open. It's it's kind of like uh, men's golf right now. Yep. You know, there's a lot of ladies that, that you could see could win a, any particular tournament. It's like right now, it's basically, all right, is Djokovic going to win? And if he doesn't win, is it uh, is it going to be Nadal, Federer, or Murray? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically, that's the whole that's the whole question, who's going to win this particular mm-hmm. tournament. So, but if you're not talking, you're talking women's. Legitimately, you named a bunch of them, Coach, and there's still a bunch of others that could still win it. So, obviously, the, the Williams sisters, if they're in a tournament, they could win it. All right. Got any thoughts on uh, U.S. Open tennis? We'll touch on it on occasion, just like we uh, followed the uh, Tour de France, the only sports talk show that gave you, on a regular basis, stage-to-stage coverage of the Tour de France. We're right here for you and the, and the uh, U.S. Open as well. 888-463-6748. Real quick, Big Dog, we said we'd touch on college football. we got our preview shows coming up on Thursday and Friday. Beat the Schmoes football predictions on Friday. Excitement starting to build. Um, got some great matchups in week one. Um, we'll talk about some of those. We haven't mentioned some of the top players in the country. The, the Heisman candidates this year, you care to take a gander? I have in front of me. Sports Illustrated's top 15 picks. Who do you think are some of the names? The top 15 picks this year for... Po- potential Heisman candidates. Oh, well, there's a, there's a couple obvious ones, Coach. Uh, the, the number one guy overall is going to be Andrew Luck that everybody's looking not, at. And... Not on the list. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, quarterback from, from Stanford, he's obviously the, the number one guy going out there. Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's kind of sad. What if he finishes second this year? Does he have a disappointing senior season? The pressure that this kid is under is ridiculous. And, Coach, I, I don't think he's going to win it. I do think Landry Jones of Oklahoma is going to win the Heisman Trophy this he year. Is, he's on the uh, top 15 watch list as well. Okay, uh, along with uh, uh, should uh, his running back, the, the Bromans dude, and then uh, the Ryan's kid, his wide receiver, should be on the list. Okay, so those are the three Oklahoma players. The Broman dude, the Broman dude, not on there, but the Ryan kid, uh, what's his name? Ryan, I thought he was on there. Yeah, Ryan Ryan Broyles, the uh, dynamic wide receiver, is on the top 15 Heisman list. Okay, so, uh, now, yeah, so you got those guys. Justin Blackman, Oklahoma State. He's on uh, there. The guy that legitimately, if South Carolina can actually put it together, because uh, Steve Spurrier has sworn that he's not going to get his quarterback killed this year and throw the ball 50 times a game. They're going to continue to give the ball to Marcus Lattimore who could win the Heisman Trophy, Coach. 
the kid from uh, yep. the kid from South Carolina, Trent Richardson, Alabama. I mean, Alabama, they win the national title this year. Mm-hmm. Quite simply, it's going to be for one reason that Trent Richardson dominated. Big Dog because. is on his game. All those guys are on the preseason list. No question about it. Trent Richardson, the guy who's taking over, filling the spot now, although he had some carries last year for last year's Heisman winner, Mark Ingram, correct? No, Mark Ingram was the Heisman winner from the year before, the ah, year previously. There but, you go. Yeah, now, uh, Dolan, Cam Newton last year, do you remember him? He had a pretty decent season. Not familiar with him. Okay, yeah, he won the Heisman <laughs> last year. Now, uh, uh, Michael James, Oregon, your guy, the track athlete. The guy who runs the line buck play right through the center of the line and he sprints 80 yards without being touched at least once a game. That guy not, has a- Not only is he on the list, Big Dog, they have somewhat of a little elimination contest here. They have LaMichael James going all the way to the finals and losing out to Andrew Luck. They've got him number two on the Heisman list. Okay, I have no problem with however they rank these guys in whatever order. Honestly, Coach, I really don't right now. So uh, just, just throwing it out there. Um. Do they have a Big Ten player on the list? They do. There's one, and he's a fairly obvious one. He was a candidate last year early, but then faded. I'm trying to think of who it is. I can't think of who it is. Hint, new coach. Is that Ohio State, is it? Nope. Heisman candidate last year, back at the same position, running a different offense, though. Oh, my fault. Denard Robinson. There you go. Denard Robinson. Denard Robinson is a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate. Because whenever you say this person did something for the first time in the history of college football, well, uh, he threw for 2,500 yards and ran for 1,500 yards last year, folks. No one's mm-hmm. ever done that in the history of college football. And he's coming back for his third season. So, Denard Robinson, and, you know, and people are like, oh, well, uh, Brady Hope won't be able to use this guy. You know what? That's the thing. You get a power running game like Brady Hope, who runs the I formation, runs it down your throat, has two tight ends on the field and a fullback almost all the time. You know, you start hammering at people. Next you know, Denard Robinson, when he puts the ball in the, the halfback or the, or the belly of the halfback and he starts doing the bootleg, that opens it up. And when people think that Denard Robinson won't be able to run a power running offense, they're out of their mind. This kid could end up being even more spectacular mm-hmm. than he was in the spread. And more of a straight drop back. Passing game too, but I, I have said this before to you, Big Dog. Sometimes I think those Denard Robinson type quarterbacks, uh, Dan Persia from Northwestern is another one. Those elusive quarterbacks sometimes are more dangerous, not necessarily in the designed, uh, you know, use the quarterback as part of the running game, but when they drop back to pass and they just create on their own, I think that puts more pressure on the defense. I, I couldn't agree more, Coach, because I always felt a perfect example is this, because we're going to see the difference. Michigan ran the pure spread. The last couple of years, Ohio State would run high formation, power football, and then all of a sudden they would spread it out. And when Terrell Pryor was the immediate threat, he was nowhere near as effective as he was when he would put that ball in the belly of the halfback, and all of a sudden there was an ear and outside linebacker. You're like, is he giving it to that guy, or is he going to tuck it out and get on in the outside? You know, and so when he wasn't the primary threat on the play, but could end up being the guy with the ball secondarily, I thought he was always so much better in that situation than he was when he would take the snap and he would be the option on the play instead of mm-hmm. somebody else and him faking it, if you understand mm-hmm. what I'm going with that. Yeah, absolutely. Real quick, as the show winds down, other guys on the Heisman watch list, USC quarterback Matt Barkley, uh, Brandon Jenkins, I think he's from Oklahoma State, LaMichael James is quarterback at Oregon, Darren Thomas is on the list, Kellen Moore. Yeah. 
Let us not forget Boise State's uh, Big Bad Blue at Kellen Moore. I wasn't going to forget him, Coach. Yeah, because he's worry, I was not going to forget him. Nebraska quarterback Taylor Martinez and Houston quarterback Case Keenum. Those guys are all, you know, dark horses, but certainly all legitimate guys that could win the Heisman. Should be fun to watch. Not only the great teams, dog, but there's some great players coming out this year in college football. A bunch of great players. You just said Casey Keenan, uh, without a doubt, one of the best stories on there coming back from a knee injury. Yep. Hopefully he can have a, a great senior season, Coach. That, that's that secret guy that nobody knows about. When the NFL draft happens in about uh, 10 months from now, mm-hmm. that kid's going to be going in the top 10. Okay, he's legit. And here's another guy. You always ask me for the dark horse. I know he's not on the list. Ryan Wingo. Remember that name, Coach? Is he an offensive lineman for Northwestern? The kid from, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is his name. I have not I have to go look it up. But remember the kid from Arkansas who last year took over for, uh, for, uh, for, uh, the kid is in New England. Ryan Mallett. Yeah, well, for when Ryan, Ryan Mallett went out, this kid came in and took over from, do you remember this kid swinging the ball all over yep, the field? Yep, yep. Good point. Watch out for the kid, the quarterback from Arkansas. He's going to be he's going to be drafted in the NFL just as high as Ryan, higher than Ryan Mallett was yeah. last year. Beautiful. Mallett, All right, big dog. Enjoy the day off. Put your feet up, prop yourself up, and enjoy. We'll talk to you. On... I'm working about ten hours today, so I'll try to do that while I'm working. God bless you. We'll talk to the dog on Thursday. Thank you to El Zayed Zayed from uh, WIRQ Radio in Iraq for checking in. That was a pleasant surprise. We will talk to everybody tomorrow. We'll have a, a surprise guest house in the house. David Olson, our producer, phenomenal job as always. Two guys at a mic, talkzone.com, signing off. Have a great day, everybody. 10 o'clock tomorrow. Don't be late.